All right, welcome to Third Rail. Today we got a really special guest. We got a uh, member of Knesset, Ofer Kasif, uh, for the Hadash party. Ofer, how are you doing today, sir? I'm okay. I'm fine personally. Nationally, it's another issue. That's a yeah. That's a whole other story, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. Um, so we'll just we'll just jump right into here. Um, so my first question for you, Ofer, is, you know, just to put it simply, you're you're known as an anti-Zionist Jew. Um, and for all who all who talk about that, I want to get to know who the real Ofer Kasif is. What was your early life like, uh, and when and how did you sort of become left leaning? Wow, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was born into a you know labor party, classic labor party family. What's what is a what is a you know known in Israel as Mapainik, which stems from Mapai the ancient Labour Party of Ben-Gurion's and his, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> uh, disciples. And uh, actually, my grandparents on my mother's side, they came to Palestine in the middle of the 30s because of their uh, Zionist uh, inclination or ideology. They came specifically, they left their families uh, who neither, neither of them was survived, by the way, afterwards. Uh, and they came to Palestine to establish the kibbutz. And my father was uh, quite active uh, in his, uh, not exactly youth, when he was in his 20s. He was uh, quite act an activist uh, in the same party. So actually my views uh, evolved and developed uh, quite independently. Uh, because that, my views as not only as anti-Zionist, but as a Marxist and uh, as a socialist, uh, nothing of that came from my uh, family or my home. Uh, so when I was 16, I joined, I still was in the left, but still, uh, you know, not totally out of the, uh, of the choir, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> And so I, I joined the Shomer Atzair youth movement. Shomer Atzair, it's a, it's a leftist youth movement, still a Zionist one. It, it belonged to a party that uh, uh, actually doesn't exist anymore, Mapam, which is a left to a labor. And uh, so I joined this uh, youth movement and uh, I even... Uh, Regrettably, uh, you know, uh, uh, volunteered to uh, the parachuters in the army uh, <clears throat> and they established the kibbutz. I believe that my views, you know, I always had this kind of uh, affair with uh, Marxism since I was 15 or 16. Uh, but as uh, most of the youth, some may say that most of human beings, uh, Walt Whitman used to say that <laughs> uh, that uh, that all of us, you know, uh, are uh, characterized by contradictions. But let alone uh, youth, you know, youth uh, contradict themselves almost by definition. So I had my own, you know, uh, dissonances between Zionism and Marxism, etc., which I uh, either suppressed or wasn't aware of as a 15, 16, 17 year old uh, guy. But during my uh, military service and in and afterwards at the university, my views moved much more to the left. So I, uh, when the first Intifada began, I was the first uh, soldier who uh, <clears throat> refused to serve in the Palestinian occupied territories, and I was the first uh, one who was imprisoned. It was really the very beginning of the first Intifada. And thereafter, I was imprisoned another three times. Altogether, I spent four uh, times in prison, in military prison for refusing to serve in the occupied Palestinian territories. And then I joined the Communist Party, which is the basis of Hadash. Hadash stands for a Democratic Front for uh, Peace and Equality. And I'm there ever since for uh, about 35 years. Right, so you're currently in Hadash. Uh, and that's actually an Arab party. So what is it like serving as a Jew in, in Hadash? Uh, do you receive any threats of any kind, not even from regular Israelis, but, you know, from fellow Knesset members? First of all, it's wrong. It's a Hadash. It's not an Arab party at all. Hadash is a Jewish Arab party. Let me just, you know, uh, 
pinpoint one very important thing. Sure. The Communist Party of Israel was actually established as the Communist Party, of course, it was not then, of Israel, in 1919, more than 100 years ago. It was, uh, it's one of the oldest parties in the region. And uh, one of the main uh, ideological and political uh, uh, commitments ever since was partnership of Jews and Palestinians. And, uh, and so it's still there. So the Communist Party, which is the basis of Hadash, as I said before, and, and then, of course, uh, derives the fact that Hadash itself is a Jewish Arab or Jewish Palestinian movement. So in the leadership, in the so-called Politburo, in the, the, uh, the Central Committee of the Communist Party and the, uh, the Secretary of Hadash, and the chamber of the of Hadash, there are Jews and Arabs together. So, and, and it's very important for us as a matter of ideology to insist that we are a Jewish Arab movement and not an Arab one. So this is something that must be very, very clear. Now, but to answer your question, given that, that doesn't make uh, my lot <laughs> as a politician who stands in the front of our movement in the, the Knesset, uh, you know, and uh, in demonstrations, not only uh, within the Knesset as is, but uh, outside in the streets, in demonstrations, in struggles in the occupied Palestinian territories or in struggles for labor rights, you know, uh, in Tel Aviv or wherever, uh, we are we hated by uh, uh, many Israelis, perhaps the majority. And uh, I dare say that uh, I am perhaps probably the most hated person uh, in uh, the among Jews in Israel because one of the things they cannot stand is a partnership between Palestinians and Jews. They see it as a, as a treason, and uh, which is of course a hogwash. But uh, they do some of them. I would not say that all of them. Not absolutely not. And, uh, but many of them, and especially after those years uh, of, uh, you know, uh, Netanyahu's rule, the situation got worse because Netanyahu is well known in his, uh, in his continuous incitement. And his incitement is a, fasc is a classic fascist and racist one. And of course, who is the scapegoat? The Palestinians. So those Jews who uh, struggle with the Palestinians for liberation, for justice, for democracy, are by definition marked as a, a collaborator and, and traitors. Although, of course, we, are, we all care about the future of the people of the region, Palestinians and Israelis alike. But they don't care about the truth. The only thing they care about the truth is how to present it as being uh, untrue. And uh, so it's not easy, but uh, we and I personally will never give up. And I'm I'm glad you uh sort of um kind of clarified what Hadash is because I was under the impression it was it was solely an Arab party. I think maybe other people might get confused with that as well. So I'm glad you cleared mm -hmm. that up. I did want to talk about like you know fascism and the government just a bit, but uh, I did want to cover this now. So in 2019, you were banned from the Knesset for allegedly supporting terror and ruling out Israel's right to exist. Could you expand on that? Uh, do you believe in Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state? Look, our stance and my own uh, is that uh, Israel as a sovereign state has the right to uh, to exist uh, in a secure, uh, in security and, uh, and peace. And that's part of our struggle. Uh, Israel cannot exist uh, as long as the occupation, the malicious occupation goes on. Of course, the main problem with the occupation is it's a criminal, it's very criminal character. That's the main uh, and the most important thing. Then the Palestinians, of course, are the ultimate victims of this occupation. But on top of that, we've always been saying that the occupation is against the Israeli interests as well. And we are not alienated to that, quite the contrary. We always say, all of us Jews and Palestinians alike in the Communist Party in Hadash and in our you know, uh, uh, area, political area, we are 
we want the occupation to be over first and foremost because it is deadly and criminal and malicious towards the Palestinians, but as well to Israelis. So we support the two-state solution, and therefore, by definition, we support the right of Israel to exist, but we want Israel to be a real democracy. Democracy and the super and the supremacy don't go together. There, those are contradictions in terms. As long as Israel defines itself as a Jewish state, and as long as the meaning of a Jewish state is Jewish supremacy, of course, we cannot accept that. Just imagine how you, uh, this is the past of the United States, some may say uh, even the, the present, but at least as the, as the, the legal structure is concerned, uh, not too long ago, the United States was, was based on white supremacism. And can anyone who considers oneself as a Democrat in the United States can accept such a, 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 a perspective? Of course not. Supremacy of any kind, Arab supremacy or Jewish supremacy, doesn't matter. Any supremacy of any kind, and by the way, not only as far as ethnicity or nationality are concerned, but also, and here my Marxism comes in, also, you know, class supremacy or gender supremacy, by the way, or any other kind of supremacy. Democracy, real democracy, is based on the principle of profound equality. So as long as Israel defines itself as a Jewish state and clings to Jewish supremacy, we will fight against it, not against Israel. We see it as the interest of Israel to be the real democracy, to be to be based on real equality. This is an Israeli interest as well. And you know, you've, you've been on record numerous times saying Zionism is is Jewish supremacy. I was under the impression that Zionism was just Jewish self determination in the land of Israel. Um, you know, I could see some issues when you put it into practice. Obviously, with maintaining a Jewish majority. Um, could you sort of expand on why Zionism, in your view, is, is is Jewish supremacy? Because, you know, agree to disagree, but obviously you're entitled to your, to your view, so I'm just curious what, what you would think. Because, look, Zionism, Zionism, it's it's false in my view. It's an error to assume that Zionism is the uh, idea of Jewish self-determination. Because we also say that Israel, uh, that the Jewish pe- uh, people who lives here in Israel uh, they uh, realized their right to self-determination within the state of Israel. We are not against it. But we there are two differences between us, to say the least, of course. If I had a few hours, I would uh, get into <laughs> a more a deepest, deeper, uh, you know, uh, analysis. But I guess we won't, we don't, I, I don't have a few hours. So uh, anyway, <laughs> what uh, there are at least basically two main differences. First of all, we do not accept that there is a kind of a global Jewish people. We, uh, there, there, there is, of course, Jewish reality, but not Jewish people uh, in the sense of uh, French people or American people or Palestinian people, because the definition of a people is not if they have common religion or, or language or, or anything else. Uh, the basis of the definition of nationality My PhD, just a second if you allow me because uh, I, I don't want them to interrupt us again so I'll try to see what I can do so they won't call it again uh, In the meantime no uh, in the meantime, yeah, just a second, okay, please. Uh, okay. Uh, so I think the best, I began to say that my PhD from the London School of Economics and my postdoc is from Columbia University in New York, by the way, and it was a, a, an, a Marxist analysis of a nationalism and democracy. And I say that not in order to uh, flatter myself, uh, it's not that bad, yes, but it's not my intention. Uh, or if I quote Seinfeld, uh, not, there's nothing, not that there's anything wrong with it, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if you remember that, 
My favorite, uh, my, my favorite show. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, I began to, to, to say that uh, uh, the, the best, I think the best definition uh, of nationality was given by someone named uh, Hugh Seton Watson. And he said, a nation is a group of people who act as if they were a nation. Now, what that does mean, it sounds like a tautology, but it's not. He means that if there is a group of people, it may count a few thousands or millions. If they act as a collective specifically in order to achieve or protect national self-determination, we can refer to this group as a nation. But the, Jew, the Jews around the world do not act in such a way. And by the way, I do not criticize them. It's not criticism. It's just a matter of description. It's a, and uh, it's descriptive. It's not normative what I'm saying about that. The, uh, so in that sense, I don't think it's true to say that uh, uh, Jews around the world are, uh, belong to the same people. Like, uh, like, like Christians or Muslims are not part of the same people or the same nation. So, but during, if you allow me to go to history, uh, the political idea of the Communist Party, which we, we mentioned before, the Communist Party I'm a member of, before the middle of the 40s, the idea of the Communist Party was that there should be one state for Arabs and Jews in Palestine, and that uh, and that should act together in order to get rid of British imperialism in the region. But it, more or less in the middle of the 40s, most of the uh, communists in the party, not all of them, there was a debate, but most of them, of them came to the conclusion that during the years, after some uh, decades, there, you know, uh, evolved a, a, a Jewish people in Palestine. And then the conclusion was that the, 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 the finest political solution and the just solution was to establish two states, a Palestinian state and a Jewish state, but not based on supremacy. It's something that should be noted. Uh, now, I mention all this story not in order to exhaust you or the uh, or the people who listen to us or watch us, but to explain why one of the things that are, uh, are different between us and Zionists is that Zionists refer to Jews around the globe as one people. We don't. We say that the people, the Jewish people, uh, who are relevant are those who live in the state of Israel and consider themselves as a Jewish people in Israel. This is a very, very important difference. But on top of that, of course, there are some political conclusions and ideas that make a lot of difference between us and Zionism, because we say that in Israel, alongside the Palestinian state in the West Bank is Jerusalem and Gaza Strip, Within the state of Israel, doesn't matter, maybe the name should be different, but that's not the point at the moment. Within Israel, there are two national communities. And the, the just solution is that within the state, both peoples can materialize or realize their self-determination. It could take different forms, maybe like in Belgium, as you probably know that in, in, in Belgium, there is a national determination, self-determination for the French speakers and for the Flemish, uh, the Dutch speakers. And they have common parliament alongside with their own separate ones. So in that sense, that can be, that can be one way. There may be other forms, but uh, this is something that the Zionists cannot accept. And in that sense, all Zionists, all Zionists, not only those who cling to a racial theory similar to the Nazis like Ben, like ben Gvir and Smotrich, who for me have no, there's no difference between them and the, uh, and the Nazis, as far as the, the uh, theory of racial supremacy is concerned. Not only them, even the so-called Zionist left 
still support Jewish supremacy, not in the racial sense, but in the political sense. Because what they say, they say Israel should be ruled first and foremost by the Jewish citizens. In that sense, they still support Jewish supremacy. This is something that myself and my colleagues, my, com my comrades can never accept, never ever. Not because it's Jewish supremacy, but because it's supremacy. Equality demands equality. No supremacy whatsoever. Neither Jewish, nor Arab, nor any, anyone else. So what's your what's the best solution to the conflict? Do you want like one democratic state, a two state solution? I know you mentioned two state solution before. Um, what 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 would be the perfect solution to the conflict in in, in your view? <clears throat> Look, unfortunately, I think that because as we know, you know, in politics, reality perfect is something which is uh, rarely achieved. I wish it could be achieved. So, but I do not, uh, you know, uh, narrow myself to idealism, utopism, or perfectionism, at least not in that sense. But in look, in my view, ideally, if there could be a one state between the river and the sea, that would be, in my view, the best, ideally. Uh, I, for myself, you know, find a much more common, uh, you know, language, with me, uh, with the uh, Palestinians, not all of them, of course. Uh, let's not be, uh, let's not idealize anyone. There are racists among the Palestinians as well, of course. Unfortunately, like any other people. Uh, but it's very easy for me to find a common language with Palestinians, <clears throat> especially leftist ones, than with uh, Jews who support the right wing. You know, so. For me, ideally, one state could be the best. But unfortunately, I think that politically and, reali and uh, realistically, that cannot be the, the solution at the moment, per perhaps in the long run. Uh, because, look, we are all human beings, and we know our, uh, uh, not our shortcomings as well. Our, uh, you know, we are far from being perfect creatures, to say the least. After such as an hostility of uh, more than 100 years, without any relation to whose the blame is, who's the, who should be the blame on, or who should we put the blame on, that's irrelevant. But after more than 100 years, almost 130 years of hostility, uh, I think that uh, it, could, it would be uh, crazy to establish uh, altogether one state. Uh, I think realistically, another issue, the Palestinians deserve their own national self-determination. They never enjoyed it. <clears throat> I think they should enjoy it. Now, the view of the uh, People's Party, the Palestinian People's Party, which is the Palestinian Communist Party, and some other fractions of the left among the Palestinians in the occupied territories and in the, the uh, exile, they, uh, they mostly believe that a, a two-state solution, solution uh, must be, the, uh, in, uh, in the short run, must be established. Perhaps in the long run, upon consent of all involved, a one-state solution or a kind of federation or confederation can be achieved. But most of the people in the left believe that at the moment, one-state solution won't work. It's unfortunate, but that's reality. And and I agree. I think it's a little idealistic to sort of, you know, create one state after 130 years of hostility. Now I want to go back to the occupation. Now you say it's it's you know it's 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 hurting Israel in the long run. What would lifting the occupation look like, and how do you sort of uh, calm everyone's security concerns? What, what does that look like? Lifting the occupation. What's it? What I I just missed one sentence towards the end of your question. Sure. So I said, what would lifting the occupation look like and how would you deal with like security concerns? <laughs> After the occupation is over, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Look, uh, at the moment, the Palestinians pay a terrible crime. Just yesterday afternoon, I went to a Tel Shomer hospital in, in Petah Tikva in Israel 
to visit uh, Muhammad Khaytam El Tamimi from the village, Palestinian village of Nabi Salah in the West Bank. A two years old baby was shot in the head by Israeli soldiers a few days ago. It is a critical condition. And we, I went with a friend of mine, another member of the Knesset, my friend Ahmad Tibi. We went together to, uh, to visit uh, the baby. Of course, his unconsciousness to, to wish him well, to talk to his family, to express our support. Those things happen almost on a daily basis. People are killed, wounded, uh, humiliated, especially on an hourly basis. The humiliation is every second. Humiliation of the full people. That thing cannot, uh, uh, you know, continue. It cannot continue. One way or another, one day or another, it will erupt. Everybody is going to pay the price. At the moment, it's true the Palestinians pay the hardest uh, uh, price. Although Israelis pay a price as well. People are killed in Israel too. Nobody, I don't want anyone to be killed. I want anybody, everybody to live and prosper. And that is achievable if the government of Israel was not such a fanatic, bigot, you know, racist and fascist. That could be achieved. But they prefer supremacy and the vicious power over peace and equality. Now, in my view, once the occupation is over, and I'm sure 100% that the occupation will be over. Perhaps I won't uh, see it in my day, in, in my lifetime. I hope yes. But it reminds me you know, something that Nelson Mandela, not that I compare myself to him, I wish I could, of course, I, I, I won't dare. But it comes to my mind, the quotation from his trial in 1961 or two, I think, was the, 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 the trial. He said, <laughs> A real democracy, not exact words, of course, but the spirit of his speech uh, is, uh, I will cling to that. He said, uh, equality and democracy uh, and justice is a vision that uh, I would like to uh, live and see. But if, uh, if there's no other choice, I'm prepared to die for it. And I'm saying the same. Without comparing myself to Mandela, of course, I'm far from being such a, you know, uh, uh, such a huge person and uh, so I wish I would be I, I'll see this uh, the, the occupation over in my lifetime but uh, perhaps I won't but I'm sure it will be over for a very simple reason such a criminal uh, situation cannot be preserved for good that cannot happen what can happen is that people live in peace and prosperity if they are equal, if they live, if they have hope. The Palestinians today, sometimes, if you hear, if you read or watch or listen in new, the news in the States, you know that from time to time, Palestinians uh, actually commit suicide because when a Palestinian goes, not to blow himself or uh, oneself, in a restaurant, which I'm against, by the way, but go goes to uh, shoot a soldier or stab a settler, that Palestinian knows that his chances or her chances to come back alive are quite slim. So it's a kind of a suicide. Who can kill oneself in such a way or another way? Only someone who doesn't have any, any tiny hope somebody who lost everything. And unfortunately, the Palestinians, all millions of Palestinians, especially in Gaza Strip, but also in the West Bank and the East Jerusalem, occupied East Jerusalem. They, many of them, have nothing to lose because they live under such a terrible regime, an apartheid regime, ethnic cleansing, you know that on a daily basis, the Israeli uh, 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 occupation forces, for instance, prevent water from Palestinians on their own lands. They rob their lands, and before they rob their lands, they block all wells of water so they won't be able to drink. And when they bring some, you know, tanks of water, 
the military normally stops them from arriving for, to, to their uh, tents. Sometimes they shoot the tanks, sometimes they just throw away the water, sometimes they just stop them on the way. So what hope those people have? That cannot be a future. But if they have hope, if they have the, the possibility to prosper, if they have a democracy, if they have independence, so step by step, gradually, that won't happen in one day, perhaps not even one month, but gradually, the, their interests will be to live side by side with their ex-occupiers. That's my vision, and I'm very optimistic about it. Optimistic in the long run. You know, if allow, you allow me, I'm a Marxist, so I must uh, quote from time to time a Marxist philosopher. So you, perhaps you heard of Antonio Gramsci. I a Marxist, have not. Uh, 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 he was a leader and a philosopher, a Marxist Italian philosopher. Uh, he was in prison during uh, uh, Mussolini's uh, uh, rule. <laughs> and it, uh, he, he said that a good socialist must be pessimist of uh, the mind, must have pessimism of the mind and optimism of the will. So this is something which I try to cling to. To be prepared, or as the song goes, <laughs> hoping for the best but expecting the worst. That's another way, a way to put it. And uh, that's my way of life. I hope to be able to see the Palestinian liberation, which will be the Israeli liberation too, uh, as soon as possible. But I, I'm prepared to an alternative. Now, to that point, uh, just talking about, you know, Palestinians, you might commit acts of violence. You've made numerous controversial statements. Um, you know, there's an attack in Kiryat Abba in the West Bank. Um, he shot uh, an older gentleman uh, with his son at a grocery store. Um you said that he was not a terrorist and that everyone was a victim of the occupation. Um, cool. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Um, you know, this, this terrorist, well, I, I consider him a terrorist. I, you, you don't shot at medics. I don't know how anyone wouldn't really consider him a terrorist. Like I understand the background, but can you sort of expand on that? Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, I myself and my uh, comrades in the, in Hadash, we support a nonviolent struggle. We do not support violence, and we are, and we are profoundly against uh, uh, any violence within the green line, line that is within is sovereign Israel proper. Now, in the occupied territories, it's different. Now, let's make the the distinction between guerrilla fighters and terrorists. It's not uh, arbitrary. It's not my personal uh, view. This is the common definition of terrorism and guerrilla. This is a way, a, a quite acceptable, accepted, you know, definition uh, in the academia by the Pentagon, by the way. That's the Pentagon's definition of terrorism. I will come to the definition itself in a second. And by the way, this is exactly what Netanyahu wrote, Netanyahu himself, in his book in 1988, Terrorism, How the West Can Win. I think that's the a title of the book, if I remember correctly, he himself said, adopted the very same definition. When I said what you said, uh, and you, you were totally uh, accurate, I actually quoted Netanyahu. Netanyahu said in the book that the difference between freedom fight, uh, between, sorry, guerrilla fighters and terrorism is that guerrilla fighters always attack military forces. Whereas terrorists are actually trying to refrain from messing with uh, 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 military forces and, and actually uh, 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 target civilians for political purposes, because uh, to make the distinction between a terrorist and a, a robber, and an armed robbery also involves civilians, you know, and, uh, and the arms. What's the difference between terrorists and armed um, uh, robbers? Is the terrorists are interested in political 
uh, 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 goals. So someone who uses violence against civilians in order to achieve political goals, no matter what kind of goals, that one is a terrorist. Someone who fights for political goals as well, but by targeting military forces is a guerrilla fighter, said Netanyahu, said the Pentagon. So I totally accept this definition. When Palestinians, in our uh, uh, case, target civilians in Israel, those are terrorists, which I'm against. But once they target military forces, especially occupation military forces, and when they target settlers who are to some extent military forces, excluding children, excluding children, in my view, children should be out of the vicious circle of violence, no matter who they are, settlers, Palestinians, Jews, Muslims, Christian, doesn't matter. Children should not be involved full stop. So after I excluded children, in my view, it is legitimate as a guerrilla fighter to target military forces and settlers. It doesn't mean that I support it. It doesn't say that I support it. I all only say that that's not terrorism according to the uh, 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 to the uh, common definition. It doesn't mean that I support it. I support a non-violent struggle. I do not support a violent one. But still, I'm not going to be a, a, a hypocrite. By the way, if you if we have the time, I tell you one story. Sure. Yeah, we you got do? we got yeah we got some time. Yeah. About one year ago, perhaps less, the secretary, a very, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> almost a, a veteran, almost, you know, a, a, a long-standing secretary of the uh, of the Knesset. Uh, she was the secretary of the Knesset, I think, something like 30 years almost. She uh, retired. And of course, there was a kind of, you know, everybody, a farewell, not a... Uh, exactly as a ceremony, but something, you know, in the plenum, at the plenum of the Knesset, everybody, not everybody, but the members of the Knesset and ministers had the chance to say goodbye. Now, one of the ministers of the Likud was talking about the father of that secretary who was involved in the execution of British sergeants by the Etzel. Etzel was a rightist, uh, you know, uh, you may say terrorist, other may say guerrilla fighters during the British rule in Palestine. So he was talking and, you know, praised the father of that way, secretary of the Knesset for being involved in this execution of three British sergeants during the British rule in Palestine. Now, this is hypocrisy. If you celebrate such a deed, you cannot talk and define as a terror, as terrorism, Palestinians who execute uh, Israeli soldiers. What's the difference? No difference. I'm not going to be an hypocrite. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. That's it. I, I definitely understand that. I think a lot of people, when they take their sides, they just become very, very biased. You know, even even Arabs, even Jews, they sometimes they can't see the you know the wrong that they commit. At least we're going back to the point. Absolutely. With, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Just going back to the point with the, the Kiryat Arba shooting, you know, I'm having trouble sort of, and obviously you're entitled to your views, sort of just understanding this, you know, someone who would shoot someone just simply going to a grocery store, even if they are living in the West Bank. Uh, I don't understand how someone who could, it wouldn't be considered, uh, you know, a, a, a terrorist, I, I think. And also shooting at, at, at medics. Um, I would I would classify that person as a, as, as a medic, but obviously you're entitled to your own views. Um, you know, I would even condemn if, 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 you know, a Jewish person shot an, an Arab Israeli in, in in Israel proper. I think that would be ter terrorism as well. So not, you know, picking and choosing sides. No symmetry at all. I don't accept this symmetry because uh, the Palestinians in the occupied territories fight for the freedom. Now, unfortunately, and uh, I'm not cynic, you know, uh, I, I mean it, unfortunately, uh, 
all across the globe, if you look at history, at struggles for liberation, not only national liberation, but for instance, when you look at the suffragists in the, in the, in the beginning of the 20th century, they also, some of them, some fractions among the suffragists, you know, were involved in violence as well in order to achieve uh, the, uh, you know, uh, equal rights as far as uh, voting is concerned. Same about, you know, workers. Workers uh, actually were involved across the, the globe in very violent struggles to achieve the right to, to, to strike uh, in uh, eight or ten hours uh, uh, work, uh, working a day. Uh, <clears throat> same about, you know, for instance, the LGBT uh, community. Everybody who is under oppression cannot, unfortunately, cannot achieve one's liberation without being involved to some extent in violence for a very simple and logical reason. If you suppress me, if you oppress me, because you do so, because one way or another, you gain some benefit out of it. You wouldn't like you voluntarily to give up this benefit, true? You won't give up it uh, voluntarily. How can I make you give up your benefit or your, supre or your su supremacy so I can win my liberation? Only by struggle. Sometimes, more often than not, that struggle involves violence, which I do not embrace. I just mentioned that's true. Yeah, now, we, I mentioned before Nelson Mandela. You know, the ANC... And Nelson Mandela, as a, although he was in prison most of the, during the years of the struggle, most of them, <clears throat> he was still the leader of the ANC. Uh, to get or to achieve their liberation from apartheid, they killed so many innocent civilians. And after the apartheid, you know, was over, uh, during or through the so-called true and reconciliation committees, you know, truth and reconciliation committees, the uh, uh, activists, the soldiers of the ANC, uh, you know, uh, appealed to the families of the victims and begged their pardon. But because they lived after under apartheid, they had sometimes to be uh, involved in a in violent struggle. Look at the colonization of Africa as another example, not only South Africa or South America or, uh, or Asia, everywhere. Jomo Kenyatta was the president of Kenya after liberation. He was the leader of the, uh, of the Mau Mau uh, guerrilla. Everywhere. There's no even one example or hardly one, you know what? There's one, there are two examples that come to my mind where the struggle for liberation didn't involve, for national liberation, didn't involve a, a violence. One was Norway in 1905 when it uh, uh, demanded from Sweden or Denmark, I don't remember, uh, uh, their own separate uh, uh, statehood and it was accepted with no violence. Now, another I think was the, the case of, uh, uh, if I remember, uh, a state in Africa, I think it was the, uh, uh, I don't remember, but it was under French rule. And uh, there was uh, in the West Coast of, uh, of uh, Africa, I think it was in the, in the area of uh, Ivory Coast, but I'm not talking about Ivory Coast. Uh, so the French rule, made a, a, a plebiscite. And once most of the voters voted for independence, the French left. And they, of, of course, they destroyed everything in the, in the way, on the way out. <laughs> but, uh, but they left. I think that those are very, very rare examples of hardly violence or no violence during national struggle for liberation. So this is something which, uh, which is normal. Look, Israel will never get out of uh, uh, Palestine, of the, Palestinian, of the occupied Palestinian territories, if the Palestinians don't fight. 
it's very unfortunate, but that's a matter of, uh, again, that's reality. I lament it. But right. that's reality. Right. And, you know, obviously nonviolent struggle and, you know, civilians and forces getting killed. It's not unprecedented. It doesn't exist as a monolith. This is not the only time this has ever happened. I think my problem is I don't understand how shooting a civilian going to the grocery store, A, helps your cause for freedom. If anything, it just emboldens the far right in Israel and they build more of the settlements. So I, I don't see how that, you know, necessarily helps. And also, obviously, an innocent person um, unfortunately died. You know, obviously, did live in the West Bank and is dangerous. But moving on, <clears throat> agree to disagree on that. I do have one last question for you, Ofer. What is your outlook? Obviously, Israel's in uh, inner turmoil, obviously dealing with, uh, you know, the occupied territories, um, you know, Hamas and Gaza. Um, obviously, uh, the terrorist groups are forming the West Bank, and, you know, namely like the Lion's Den. Um, I think they're focused on Nablus. But, you know, obviously a lot of things going on with the inner turmoil and, in, 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 you know, the occupied Palestinian territories. What's your outlook on the next, you know, five years, 10 years, 25 years? <laughs> it's a loaded It's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a, in the Jewish uh, tradition, there's a saying that says that only fools that since the uh, <laughs> since uh, the temple was destroyed, uh, only fools uh, are uh, uh, trying to be prophets. So uh, I hope I'm not fool, so I won't be a prophet. <laughs> I won't try to be a prophet, but uh, I would wouldn't like to overlook or ignore your question. So I said that. I, I think that the next five years are very critical to the future of the region, not only of the Palestinians and Israelis, but of the region, and by the way, of the world. Because I believe that if the international community in general, and the United States in particular, are not getting strongly involved against the occupation and stopping the crimes of Israel, which are growing stronger and deeper given the government, the current government. So uh, there's going to be, as I said before, a terrible eruption or explosion that will influence the whole world, not only the region. And I'm afraid in that sense, I'm afraid that the next five years are very critical. If the occupation goes on as it is, that means that the crimes are getting worse. If the deterioration continues because deterioration exists, especially under this government, which has, you know, no bulwarks and has no brakes. Uh, if that continues, so it's not only that uh, the Palestinians uh, sooner or later are going to uh, explode and uh, that may be not only metaphorically speaking explosion, you know. Uh, that's going to influence the whole area. Because the Arab countries can, will not be silent. They, they won't be able to ignore. You can see now nowadays that for their own interest, some Arab countries like Bahrain, the Emirates, uh, Morocco, uh, you know, are, are in good relations with Israel. Now they have embassies and they, and they, they are uh, just, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Abraham uh, Accords and everything. <laughs> but I believe that uh, those won't last if the occupation goes on for uh, one basic reason. Uh, alongside the, in my view, treason of the regimes in those Arab countries, they betrayed the Palestinians. But alongside the leaders and the regimes treason or betray, the people's of most of those countries stand with the Palestinians. I think that one example was how they uh, uh, welcomed Israelis uh, in, during the World Cup, the football World Cup in Qatar. They were not very welcomed. No, it was very hostile, and yeah. And justly so, by the people. So, look, the main interest of the uh, regimes in Morocco, in, in, in the Emirates, in uh, Saudi Arabia, etc., with all the differences, they want to enjoy stability. If the people of each country begin to be frustrated and, rage, and uh, uh, are going to rage uh, be, uh, against their own regimes because uh, of what's going on in the occupied territories, I believe that those regimes will have 
to bow before the peoples, although they are far from being democracies. So I think those five years are very critical. And I think and I hope that the uh, American administration will understand that. Alongside justice, I have no expectations from uh, either administration in the United States, neither uh, uh, Biden, let alone Trump and his colleagues. Uh, I have no uh, expectation that they are going to act upon justice. But if they would like to act upon their own interest, they must understand that their own interest is to stop the occupation in the next few uh, uh, five years or so. Because if they don't, and the occupation goes on, and the bloodshed is going to get stronger, those Arab countries around are not going to stand with Israel whatsoever. And those agreements between Israel, the Emirates, Morocco, etc., are going to collapse. That's against the, the interest of the United States. So for their own interests, do something to stop the occupation. It is achievable. And to, ex to a great extent, <clears throat> it's in the hands of the United States. Just imagine if Biden goes comes to, uh, tomorrow or wakes up tomorrow and says, tomorrow the Palestinian leadership and Israeli leadership are going to meet. They have short-term negotiations to uh, uh, totally eliminate the occupation and achieve a long-standing, a last peace and a just peace. That will happen. That will happen. The occupation goes on because the United States allows Israel to do whatever it likes. That's a shame. That's uh, unjust. That, that's undemocratic. And that's against the American interests. Interesting. All right, well, Dr. Kasif, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been an eye-opening conversation. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was great having you on. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. All the best. Where are you located, by the way? Um, I'm in New York. All right. My son now is in LA. Oh, really? Okay. So you have, okay. You have your kids in the, in the U S my, uh, my father's actually from Jerusalem. My mom's, she's a Jewish American, but my, my dad's, uh, my dad's Israeli. I have like family there and everything. So I'm like really interested, um, in, yeah. In, in the conflict and stuff. I plan on going to school, pursuing my master's in international relations. So um, this is like kind of like a side project. I've gotten a lot of cool guests. Where? Like which that, university? So. Um, Hopefully Columbia. So I'm based in the city. I don't want to leave. So ho hopefully Columbia. Yeah. I, as I said before, I just was there for my postdoc ages ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hope, hopefully there, but we'll, we'll see. Okay. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Take care.